welcome to Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 64, and super excited tonight uh, for tonight's show. We're late night on the, on the East Coast here, uh, but we have a, a California guest tonight. Dave Burgess is here uh, coming on the show. And uh, very excited to meet Dave and talk with Dave. And uh, we are going to talk about the great uh, book that Dave authored and uh, really kicked off uh, what he does with his group uh, and his publishing company, Teach Like a Pirate. So uh, very excited uh, that we were able to catch Dave. He told me on the pre-show here, he just flew back from New Jersey and uh, he's flying out later in the week. And he's a busy guy in the world of education. Uh, but super pumped uh, to have Dave on. We are live on Facebook. Uh, welcome in our, our listeners on Facebook. Also, Voice Ed Radio Canada. We do want to give a shout out to them, and we appreciate them simulcasting uh, the program. And uh, we're excited. We're excited to get going uh, uh, with today's show. So let's get right to it. The opening concept, uh, again, I just reread Dave's book uh, in, in, in anticipation of having him come on, Teach Like a Pirate. If you are an educator, if you're a leader in, in education, a teacher, uh, any of those roles, this is a great resource. It's a great read. And there's so many practical and real concepts uh, in the book. But one of them that resonated with me is on page 36, where Dave talks about the RAS system in your body. And uh, I kind of I was a science teacher. I'm like, what the heck is the RAS? I didn't you know, I didn't know what that was. But really, Dave tells a story in here about it's called your reticular activating system. And as an educator, what's on your mind, right? Are you constantly lesson planning? Are you constantly thinking about ways to engage kids? And uh, your RAS is your mental filter. It's your mental focus, right? So if creating is engaging lessons is important to you, and, and it should be for all educators, right? Um, you open up your RAS, you plug in your RAS, uh, and ideas, are, you're going to see them, right? Dave tells a story about when he first got a minivan, and he never even saw minivans on the road before, right? And all of a sudden, him and his wife decide they're going to get the minivan. He went with the Honda Odyssey. I'm a, I'm a swagger wagon guy, Toyota Sienna. Um, but he never even, even thought about those things until – he was ready for it. And then all of a sudden he started to see um, uh, minivans all over the place. I took my second RV trip before, uh, this past summer. Uh, we went all the way out to Yellowstone National Park. It was fantastic. And I was never an RV guy, a trailer. And uh, as soon as we got in that RV, I was seeing them all over the place, right? Because I opened up my RAS to seeing different things. So as a leader in school, as a teacher in schools, as an educator, as someone who's working with kids, you know, open your mind to finding these ideas. Um, I, I am working on my podcast, right? I listen to podcasts. I listen for great guests. I listen for ideas. I read for ideas. So all things I'm doing uh, are, are open to my RAS uh, for, as Dave calls them, hooks, right? the hooks for your lesson. Well, these are hooks for my show. And uh, I got a big hook tonight uh, when we meet Dave here in just a couple of minutes. In my book, uh, The Principle Surviving and Thriving, I talk about the concept of 
um, beg, borrow, and steal ideas, right? You go to another school, you go somewhere, um, you beg, borrow, and steal those ideas, and and you know you start using them in yours. And there's another way to facilitate um, creativity, right? As a speaker, again, we're going to ask Dave about his speaking and, and what he does and, and, and where he gets his content and all of that kind of stuff. Where does he get that? Right. He's always searching for it. He's always looking for different ideas and, and exciting speakers. And those are things he'll add to his routine. Um, I was a big fan of props. Right. Dave, is, I'm going to ask him about the pirate and, and his costume and all that. Um, but what do kids remember? Right. You bring a prop to your story. You bring a prop to what you're doing. Uh, those are things that can help you. Um, and if you haven't read Teach Like a Pirate, I, I highly recommend it. After the podcast today, I know you'll uh, enjoy it. But uh, in here, RAS, open your reticular activating system to find some great things for the things that motivate you. And uh, I could see Dave uh, nodding here. We're going we're gonna to bring him in and uh, welcome him to the program. There he is, everybody. Dave Burgess, welcome to the program. Hey, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you making the time and your busy schedule. Hey, anytime. Anytime. I'm happy to join you. I love to talk about some Teach Like a Pirate. And uh, I saw you nodding there when you were off screen about the RAS and, and, and that. Dave, there's so many things I want to talk about with your book. Uh, but let's talk about that, that, that right there, the RAS. Tell me about that concept and, and where did you learn about that and, and you know, learn that? Yeah, you know what? So one of the things I tell people all the time is read wide, live wide. Don't always just get in the education section of the bookstore. Go to other sections of the bookstore. Go read other stuff, man. And so I was reading success literature. I was reading about entrepreneurship. I was reading about marketing and sales and all these different things. And that's where I got some of these ideas from Teach Like a Pirate. See, Teach Like a Pirate is a way of looking at the world. And I always say, how can I use that? What do other professions used to engage? How can I use that in my profession? What are, other, what are kids into outside of school? How can I use that inside of school? So let's stop like being so focused on this, like, you know, just reading these certain types of books, let's live wide, read wide. And so that's where this RIS came from to me. And it's like, it's sort of like, listen, um, we're walking through unbelievable creative ideas we add to our classroom to make school amazing for kids, but we won't see them and that's we're actively in the pursuit of them. And that's we're looking for them, right? And that's the same way, like we, you gave the example of the, the RVs, right? You get an RV, all of a sudden, what do you see? You see RVs everywhere. I got my Honda Odyssey, I see Honda Odysseys everywhere. If you start making engagement and start making hooks and these elements of, of adding these uh, this element to lessons that draw people in almost magically or magnetically, and then you're walking through your daily life, that's what you're gonna see around you but you have to make it important to you at that moment. It's just not about the content and about the technique and method. How are you gonna present it in such a way that it's engaging for kids? And once you make that important, then all of a sudden all these things are gonna pop up all around you because you've tuned your brain to the right frequency. It's like turning that station, that radio station, that little knob, turn the knob a little bit, and then the station comes in clear, right? That's what we do when we tune our brain to the right frequency using the RAS. Cool stuff, Dave. Dave. Tell me, you've gone from an awesome teacher out there in San Diego, California, to, I'm telling you, someone who has rocked the world uh, of education in terms of the book writing, your publishing company. Tell me that journey and, and the time frame of it. Tell, tell me, how did you get started with that? Absolutely. So I've been teaching in my classroom for several years. And then one day, my department chair came to me and he said, hey, 
I just got on the professional De development committee for the district. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be if you could put together a workshop based on some of that crazy stuff you do down in your room that nobody understands? But then he said something that changed my life. He said, I don't think you can because I think that your success in the classroom is just kind of you. I think it's personality driven. I'm not sure it's something you could teach other people. And he kind of moved on. Well, I took that as a challenge, right? I said, sign me up for those things. And I signed up to do a full day workshop for the peers in my district. I didn't, I walked away from that meeting going, what have I just done? I don't have a workshop. I don't have this written down in any way. I don't have it organized in any fashion, right? And so that's a, that's a lesson of sometimes you have to grab opportunity before you're ready, right? You have to leap. And then you, they say sometimes you gotta, you gotta jump out of the plane and build your parachute on the way down, right? I didn't have a workshop. I signed up to do a workshop and then I made a workshop after I signed up, right? And so I got relentless about writing down everything I do in my classroom that I thought was successful, but then that wasn't good enough because that's what I do. I had to take a step back further and try to come up with where these ideas come from and uh, how can I teach other people? How can I model these things in my workshop? And so I created the workshop and I did it for the peers in my district. And then you know what happened after that? I was so pumped up with what I had made that I began to go anywhere where anyone would listen to me to talk about these ideas. I'm gonna tell you what, I submitted conference proposals all over the nation. And if any conference said, yeah, you can come to your pirate thing here, I got a plane ticket, I bought a conference registration, I got a hotel room, and I went and I did my thing. I was going in debt at this point, right? I, was just, I just wanted to get in front of people with this message, right? And I, nobody knew who I was. I was just a crazy guy walking around these conferences dressed like a pirate, right? And, and I recruited people. I wrote up my session description to make it sound like you were going to Disneyland. You know when you read through some of these uh, programs at the conference, most of the sessions sound like you're going to the dentist office to be drilled, right? Mine <laughs> sound like you were going to Disneyland. And I, I recruited people. I drew people in. I, I wrote, I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I want I that. Even, I, Give I, it to me. I, I didn't even present with, I didn't even have a computer to present with. I wrote with marker pens on a foam board, the number one top secret way to become a better lover. And I propped it up in the front of my room. And I stood out in the hallway like a carnival caller and dragged people in. I'm like, hey, you don't want to go to that session. Come on over here. Let's go. Let's go ahead. Hey, you read that sign. You need this stuff. Come on in here, buddy. Come on. Let's go. Right? And man, we would pack these places. They'd be lying in the walls. They'd be sitting on the floor in the aisles. And, uh, and I, I would just go crazy in these rooms. I would just go off. And, uh, and then it got bigger and bigger bigger. Finally, a publishing company came to me and said, hey, we would like to do a book with you based on these ideas. And um, now if you want me to go into that story, I, I, I don't just want to rant the whole time. So you do, if you want me to go into the publishing part, you just let me know. Well, let's let's hit a pause on that because that's the next thing. I, I have I to give love. time for them to decompress. Yeah, man. Well, I love the energy. You know, it's late here on the East Coast, man. You're waking us up. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me ask you that, Dave. Where, where do you get this tremendous energy? Right. People tell me I got energy. You got energy. Where, where's it? Where does it come from? Where does that inner drive come from, Dave? Yeah, you know what? I'm on fire about this message. I'm on fire about what I'm doing in education right now. It's a, this is about embracing a mightier purpose. Okay. And so George Bernard Shaw said, "This is the true joy in life: to be used for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one; to be thoroughly worn out before you're thrown on the scrap heap; to be a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world won't devote itself to making you happy." Right. <laughs> and so this is this is a mighty purpose that we're engaged in as educators. We're in the life-changing business. How can you not be on fire about changing lives, being in the life-changing business? And so I'm pumped up about education. I'm pumped up about my message. I'm pumped up to help other people share their messages as well. And Dave, when you started this, did you have the pirate acronym built? Were you always wearing the stuff in your room like that? Did the, where did the pirate acronym come from this? 
Yeah, yeah, great question. So here's the thing. Uh, I did not have that. I had never dressed like a pirate in my life before I made this workshop. And uh, uh, I was looking for a theme. I was looking for a way to model and demonstrate some of the things I do in my classroom in this workshop. If you think about it, Andrew, it's a lot of pressure. If you write up a workshop description that says that you're gonna teach teachers how to create a wildly and outrageously engaging classroom that has kids knocking down the walls to get in, you better have a pretty damn good workshop. Right. Like if you're going to bill yourself as the engagement person, like you better have a pretty engaging workshop. Right. So I wanted to be able to model and, and demonstrate this stuff. I wanted a theme. Pirates appeal to me because pirates are unconventional. They're willing to reject the status quo. They're willing to sail into uncharted waters with no guarantee of success. They're risk takers, rebels, mavericks. And so I wanted to embrace that spirit of being a pirate. And it's not pirates are known for having hooks. And this is all about how you can have hooks into your classroom, into your content to draw students almost magically or magnetically into what you're doing. And then I'm abnormally obsessed with acronyms. So the first thing I did is I turned the page sideways. I wrote P-I-R-A-T-E down the page. I tried to generate an acronym. I knew I wanted to talk about passion and enthusiasm. And there the P and the E were sitting at the beginning and the ends of the words, like the cornerstones of it. And I knew I want to talk about building rapport with kids and relationships and sort of being the heart of teaching. There the R was sitting in the center. And so I never looked back. I did it that summer. And then I, I, I've, been, I've been presenting Teach Like a Pirate and as a pirate ever since. It's a, it is an amazing story, Dave. I'm, I'm hooked. Uh, I've never even seen you present, but this is uh, incredible here uh, to see it. Uh, kudos to you. Kudos to you for, for taking that leap. And when, you I mean, you're talking about the first time you presented in your home district. When did you know you really had something and, and you got to that point of, man, I, I need to step away from my daily classroom teaching and, and I'm going to bring this nationally. When did you know you, you had that? Yeah, you know, so I was trying to juggle both for a long time. And I What's was a long time? For, What's a long time? Uh, for a year. I mean, I, I spoke I spoke about Teach Like a Pirate for almost six years before the book came out. Okay. And so like a lot of people come to us now, I'm a publisher, right? They'll say, like, hey, I want to write a book and then I'm gonna go and speak. And I always say, no, no, no. You go and speak and then you go write a book because you don't even know if it's gonna resonate yet. Like I, you're gonna write a book. Like get in front of people, get in front of a real audience, get in front of authentic people, like an authentic audience with eyes staring at you and deliver your message. And it gives you a chance to hone and craft your message. So I crafted my message for five, six years before the book came out, right? And so when the book came out, I I, I knew what it, what it did to an audience. I knew it was gonna hit, right? I just had to make sure I approximated in the book what somebody gets when they see me live. Now this is kind of a crazy story, but um, I haven't told too many people this story, but I can remember I was, I presented Teach Like a Pirate and uh, one of my friends was there and he brought uh, this woman who was a friend of his to see me speak. She sat in the front row of my workshop and um, I'm going to tell you what, when I get in front of an audience, I've got one goal. I'm going to light the place on fire and I'm going to burn it down around him, right? I'm going to douse myself with the gasoline of enthusiasm and spark it with the flames of inspiration. I'm going to light up when I get in front of people, right? And so I was, I, I burned this place down. Okay? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I burned the place down. And afterwards, she and she was like, she needs some decompression time, right? And now we said like, hey, we're gonna go out to lunch and, and, and do you wanna like join us for lunch? And she said, well, let me go back to the hotel. I'm gonna decide. And, and later she ended up joining us and she confided in something in, in me. She said, you know what? We were walking, she said, you know what? Um, I didn't wanna say yes to go to lunch to you with you because um, like, I thought you were gonna be so wild and crazy at lunch that it was gonna be like embarrassing because I saw you present. Right. And I said, oh, yeah. And I was telling her that I was going to uh, that I just got offered a book. Uh, someone wanted me to write a book. And she said, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea at all. I just, I just saw your workshop like that. You, you can't make you can't put that in a book. 
like it'll just lose so much of the energy, so much of the impact. Like, I don't think you should make a book out of it. You, you got to see it live. And the whole time I was writing Teach Like a Pirate, I was thinking about that woman. I was thinking like, you know what? I'm not gonna let that happen to me. To the best of my ability, I have to try to approximate what it is to see me live in this book. I have to bring that emotional impact into this book. And so too many people, when they sit down and write a book, they, they try to be uh, you know, professional and academic and all formal and stuff because you know, a book has got to be so formal. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to try to talk in the same way in my book, the way I do in a workshop. I'm going to try to bring that energy into it. And so actually that woman um, helped me write a better, better book by saying that. That is an amazing uh, concept. And that's a great story, Dave. You know, and you, and you tell a bunch of stories in the book. Uh, another one of the concepts, right? Your outlook on things, your mindset, reframing, reframing things. You tell the story of the kids getting a little gift in the arcade and then boom, your kid gets a, a pink keychain and he was about to cry and you jump out with, you know, pirate treasure and you you reframed it. Tell me about the concept of reframing and, and teachers using that in their classrooms. Yeah, so you know, I end every um, program that I do with that story. That's like the last thing that they see, the last few minutes of the uh, every single workshop I've done. Um, Teach like a pirate ends with that story about reframing and with the bracelet. And um, it, it, reframe is a powerful concept. And it's the idea that sometimes um, it like reality is how you perceive it. Okay, and so um, you can change how someone sees. Like you can. It, it, Maybe you're maybe you're uh, doing Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, and um, the kids aren't into Abraham Lincoln, and maybe you're not into Abraham Lincoln either. Well, let's reframe and talk about how let's talk about Abraham Lincoln. No, maybe it's not a story about this president. Maybe it's a story about overcoming obstacles and per, and the persistence and the grit that it took for Abraham Lincoln to go through all these tragedies and failures in his life and to rise to greatness, right? You reframe that experience for kids and make it powerful for them. Like when I'm doing uh, the Black Panther Party. Okay, with, with my students. Now, um, I work in a community that would not be uh, like where I did most of my teaching. This community would not be sympathetic to the Black Panther Party, right? But yet, it's one of my favorite things to teach, and because I reframe it for them, I always start. I always start that lesson. I say, like, "Hey, how many of you've ever had a bad experience with a police officer?" Now, I teach some tough kids. They're not kids that would be Black Panthers, but they're tough kids. Okay. And I get story after story about their uh, negative interactions they've had uh, with police. And I said, well, you know what? What do you think it was like in Oakland, California in the 1960s with a basically all African-American community patrolled by an almost all white police force? We're talking the 60s. Do you think any bad stuff went down, right? And they're like, oh my God, yeah. Well, let me tell you about what these guys did. Okay, and I tell the story about how they patrolled the patrol cars and how the police would stop somebody on the corner and they'd pop out of the car and I'd get out of the trunk and get a shotgun out and load a shotgun and sit up, stand on the street and, and watch the interaction go down and how it was making these police officers' head almost explode. Now, these group, these tough kids I have in my class, um, do you not all of a sudden you think they're interested in this story now? They want to know about the Black Panther Party? Do they have they? Uh, maybe they've been told that these Black Panthers were these horrible people that they wish they should hate, right? And they say, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. They patrolled the police? Like, they patrolled the police. And we go deeper and deeper into that. I, I've reframed this experience for them. Now they can identify with what was happening in this community and going like, oh, man, okay, I want to know some more about these people, right? And so that's that's a reframe. We got to always try to find a way to connect to kids and make it relevant for them and their life and what they're experiencing. Love it. 
Dave, another another thing you do in the book, uh, and it was again, it was a great story that you were offended. The woman that came up to you, the six words, right? You yeah. make it look easy. You're making it look easy tonight, right now, talking with you. You make it look easy, like ah, I can go present anywhere. But you talk about it. It's easy for you. You're creative. It wasn't easy. It's just that you busted your ass to do it. Yeah. You know what? There's lots of different variations to this that people might have experienced. Uh, someone who is uh, highly skilled at using technology, like an ed tech wizard, right? People are talking about, oh, like, well, that's easy for you to do. Like, you're good at technology. I, like, I, I struggle with this stuff. It's like, what, do you think that they just, like, popped out good at technology? No. You know how many hours they had to, to, to put in to, to get good at technology and to learn all the new, the latest tools and to stay up to date on what's happening at the speed of technology changes? Like, they're just not good at technology. They made themselves good at technology, right? And the same thing with creativity is that you have to, it's something you have to work at. It's not some natural state that somebody walks around. We, I, I don't just walk around all of a sudden like this and all of a sudden like, oh, and get hit with uh, like hit by ideas out of the sky or something like that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging in the creative process. I'm brainstorming and trying to come up with ways to connect my material with my students, right? And so it, it's, it, it's never easy. And people that are, anyone who's highly skilled at anything tends to make it look easy, right? You see an athlete. And that athlete, it's like, oh, they're just so smooth and graceful and everything seems to come easy for them. But what you don't see, like they'll say something like, oh, I can't believe that that person gets that much money to play for a 48 minute game, right? Like, a 48 minute game? Are you kidding me? Do you know how many hours they put in over like 20 years to get to that spot? Like there's was no 48 minute game. And I, I, there's a there's a story that I, I love, um, now, I don't know who said this. Different, there's different stories about who said this, but I, I, this is kind of goes along the same line where a person watched a famous uh, violinist and they, were, uh, it, they, they watched the concert and they were just blown away by how skilled you know, the, uh, this person was on the violin. And they wanted to meet them after the show. And what they said after the show was kind of offensive to the, to the violin. They said, you know what? I would give my life to play like you. And the violinist looked at the person and said, I did. That's right. That's right. That's powerful. Dave, you are bringing it. Uh, it it's incredible. Let me ask you this, Dave. We talked a little bit off air about you traveling, right? You just came back from New Jersey. You're getting on a plane. You're going to Iowa. You know, people think that's glamorous, right? You're in first class, it's this and that. You know, I've done some traveling for refereeing, but not as much as you. What about after that long trip and, and maybe you don't feel so hot and, and maybe you don't have that pirate energy? You know, what do you do to motivate yourself to deliver in that conference? Because you want to represent your brand. You want to represent uh, your family and your name and, 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 and the world of education because you're, you've created a reputation. Now, I wrote superstar on the, on the thing here. I haven't used that word before with any of my guests. Uh, you're a superstar. If you're not feeling it, Dave, what is something that you do to kind of get yourself going? Yeah, I'll tell you two, two uh, pieces of this. First of all, um, and this first piece is something that actually I'm, I'll give credit to Anthony Robbins for, um, and I, I credit him in the book as well. There's two ways to control your state. One is by what you focus on, and one and the other is by your physiology. So if you want to change your state that you're in, uh, those, those are two things to do. You change what you focus on, 
or you change your physiology. Like if you want to speak in a more dynamic way, then move your body in a more dynamic way. If you want to, if you want to be a more dynamic speaker, then move in a more dynamic way, speak in a more dynamic fashion. It's like, if you want to be more enthusiastic, then act more enthusiastic. And this loop happens where when you begin to act enthusiastic, you become enthusiastic. So you learn how to be able to turn it on and turn it off by your physiology and also by what you focus on, right? And so if you're focusing on all the negative things that are around you that are happening in education or in the world right now, then that's where your energy goes, right? But when you focus on that this is I got one chance to make a life-changing impact on this group of people right here, then that's where your energy goes too, right? And so, um, and, and this is this is supposedly a quote from Michael Jordan that I love. And now, so Michael Jordan was known for being like unbelievably competitive, right? Like, like you couldn't, you couldn't even have like a little practice game, like a little practice with him without him wanting to basically tear your heart out, right? And like, so he would be in these, maybe the, uh, the Bulls had already clinched the division. The game means basically nothing. And he's like selling out in this game and going all out uh, in front of this crowd in some little town somewhere, right? And someone said like, how, like, what, how do you do that? And, and this is what he supposedly said. He said that I look at the crowd when I go out there and I think to myself, someone here is seeing Michael Jordan play for the first time. Someone here maybe brought their son to see, they, 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 didn't, even have, they didn't even have enough money, but they like, they like, they prioritized. I want my son to see Michael Jordan play. And they brought their son to see Michael Jordan play. It's going to be the only time maybe they see Michael Jordan play. Like, I'm not going to cheat that kid. I'm going to be Michael Jordan every time I go on the floor. And um, when I present, I'm no Michael Jordan, but uh, you, you're not going to get a half-ass performance from me. But I'm going to go out there. I'm, I'm going to be Dave Burgess. I'm going to do Teach Like a Pirate, and I'm going to bring it. And whether it's uh, 10 people sitting in a classroom, some little school somewhere, or whether it's 2,000 people in some big auditorium keynote, um, I'm, I'm going to bring it. Dave, I respect that. And, and you know, your students, now you've said your students a couple of times, your students are becoming the teachers around the country. And, and you know, you're making the world of education better for it. So that's that's amazing. Um, the other thing that came of this, and, and, you know, we'll start with that. After you wrote this, did you have any idea that you would get in, involved with publishing your own books? Because the second part of that story is, right, where, you know, when the, when the publishing company came to you. So tell me yeah. if, about forming, you know, Dave Burgess Consulting and Dave Burgess Publishing Group. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll pick up where, where it left off. I, I, I did this workshop and there was a publisher sitting in the workshop. And afterwards, they approached me and said, we want to have a meeting with you. We want to publish this book. And um, I, I sat down, I met with them, and they offered me a publishing contract. And now, again, I got to tell you exactly how this went down. It was in a little coffee shop in a, in a hotel lobby of a hotel in Washington, D.C. I said, let me think about it. I went straight up to my hotel room and I Googled publishing contracts because I thought she was trying to cheat me. I really thought she was trying to cheat me, Andrew. And, and then when I Googled publishing contracts, I came to find out she was not trying to cheat me. That's what they actually look like. And to me, the only thing missing was a ski mask and a gun. I was like, wait a second. I'm going to write this book. It's my intellectual property. I'm going to travel around and speak about it. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build a social media platform. And, and, and you make how much money? And I make how much money? It made no sense to me at all. And they wanted to take creative control of my project. They wanted to remove the edgy stuff. They wanted to take out the rants about the overemphasis on standardized test scores. They 
said, no administrator will support this book with that stuff in there. But I knew a secret. I knew a secret because I was married to an administrator. And I knew it was a secret that a lot of administrators were frustrated with that overemphasis too, right? And they said, it's too personal. You wrote about walking through the canyons with your kids in this book. You wrote about your favorite Christmas carol in this book. That doesn't belong in a professional educational read. Where are the research studies? Where's the data? Where's the footnoting for all of this? Yeah. That was not the book I was looking to write. This was my story, my manifesto from a practicing classroom teacher and other teachers in the field about how I felt we could change education and a roadmap for how to do it. So we told all the publishing companies where to go. We formed our own publishing company and we published Teach Like a Pirate right from the kitchen table. Right off a laptop at the kitchen table is where we published this book. And in the process of learning how to get our message to spread, we learned a ton of stuff. And so uh, that was the whole vision at the start. I'm going to travel around and speak and we're going to sell this book. But then other people started to come to us and say, we don't want to sign those contracts either. What are you doing? Everywhere I look, I see this pirate thing, but you don't have a big company. And so we decided it's time to disrupt this industry. When you see an industry that's based on an outdated model, it's time to disrupt it. And so we said, we're going to start signing these people and we're going to put their book out just like we did with Teach Like a Pirate. And so we started, and then some of those books started to take off, right? And then the whole thing flipped for us. And now, hey, we got we have, we published fifty seven different books at this point, and we still run the business right here from our house. Um, I'm 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 proud, honored to say that uh, this past year we made the Inc. Five Thousand for uh, one of the fastest growing companies, privately held companies in the United States. Wow. And so, um, and we still and we still run it right from, right here from our house, family run operation. That is fantastic, uh, Dave. And you you just got up to sixty, right? You just signed your sixtieth book. Yeah, yeah. So we have. Um, we have 57 out with DBC, the other books are signed, and we have some like, books with a um, like a subsidiary company called Impress. Um, and yeah, so counting those books, we're up to 60. And Dave, there's a there's some that are, are becoming Teach Like a Pirate guides, and I know there's a, a lot of other Like a Pirates, right? The Lead yep. Like a Pirate is great, and Jay Billy's book uh, just came out, Culture Matters. You know, what, what makes a pirate book versus uh, you know, George, George Kuros, right? Uh, the innovator's mindset. Um, what yep. makes, what makes it get, get in the series of a pirate? Yeah. So there's several things. So first of all, sometimes people come to us with a project that's already formed and they have a very, they have a brand and a message like George's book is one of our most successful books, the innovator's mindset. Yeah. But, uh, George had been speaking about this. George has a, uh, his own personal brand and, um, you know, we, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to find people with powerful messages and amplify those messages. And so um, it, our job is to amplify George and his message, not to try to have George fit into our message. Um, and so there's several people that have, that came to uh, Matt Miller with Ditch That Textbook. Um, and so Matt had a brand, Ditch That Textbook. And so his book is representative of that brand. Um, other times we say like, you know what, this makes sense to be a pirate book. Like, like uh, Shelly, my wife Shelly and Beth Huff are the co-authors of Lead Like a Pirate. And so all sorts of people were coming to us and saying like, I want to have a teach like a pirate culture on my campus. How can I do that? As the, like, I'm the principal. And so like, how can I have this teach like a pirate culture on my campus? And so they put together a manifesto on how to be a pirate leader and how to build that, that leader, that uh, pirate mentality in your, in your staff. Right. And then that's where we have some other people who have complimentary messages for that. Like Jay Billy, with lead with culture and Mandy Ellis has lead with literacy. We have balance like a pirate. Those are a part of the lead like a pirate series, right? And we have run like a pirate, learn like a pirate, explore like a pirate, play like a pirate. So some of these are messages that I felt uh, were, were compliments to my message. One of the, I always tell people, hey, I don't want you to just to teach like me. I, I, didn't, I didn't write the whole story. I didn't try to write the encyclopedia teaching. I wrote my story, but now there's other people that need to tell their story too. 
And so we're trying to find these people and, and help them tell their story. And Dave, it's awesome to hear the success stories and, and kudos to you and your wife for, for telling those publishing companies, this is my story and, and I'm going to write it my way. And uh, I really, I, I admire you. Are you, you know, once you write the first book, right? It was easy because you weren't doing much of anything else other than your your own story. But now that you're doing all these other things, are you working on a second writing project? Is that something that you're building? <laughs> uh, well, you know what? So um, at this point, so I'm a big believer in following your energy. And so where you got a, where, you got a lot of energy. Yeah. So where 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 what do you do? What are you doing? where you get the most energy, where like whenever you can't wait for everything else to be done that's in your way because you want to really do this, okay? Like what's that that you're trying to free up time because what you're really passionate about, where your energy really is, is doing this right here. Part of life is finding out what that is for you, right? And it's going to shift and it's going to change. So, so for me, like some of my initial energy and my my energy was in um, – like in, in coaching, I was a coach. My gateway drug into, into teaching was as a basketball coach, okay? And I couldn't wait. To, I wanted to do practice plans. I wanted to get in front. I want to get in the gym with kids and teach them basketball, right? And then I got my teacher credential. And that, then my, all my energy was flowing into teaching. And it was all about I couldn't wait to create lesson plans. And I was up in the middle of the night coming up with lesson plan ideas, running off the 24-hour Walmarts and grabbing stuff off the shelf that I'm going to use in my lesson the next day. And I was on fire about this, right? And then gradually I started to see my energy shifting towards like, but I want to help. I want to. I want this for other classrooms too. So I want to develop this workshop, and then my energy started to go into my workshop. And it was being split a little bit, and then the book, and then now, right now, to be honest with you, my energy is in the publishing business. In that, um, I feel like I. I got a chance to tell my story in my book. I feel like I wrote my manifesto. I feel like I dropped my mic, and now I'm trying to help other people do that. So I'm really on fire about helping other people spread their messages right now, and that's where the the primary energy, my focus is at the moment. So I'm not currently writing, uh, working on another project of my own. Okay. Uh, and, and really the, the, the books and, and what you're doing with your wife, and, and it's, it's incredible. Um, Dave, tell me about Twitter. You know, you uh, and your group, right? All of your authors, it is like a, a machine. Um, I started following you. My sister saw you, uh, Suzanne Carbonero. She's Susie Prof. She said she's friends with Jay. You gotta, you gotta file Dave Burgess. You gotta get in with the pirate, and then boom, and I got going, and and then it was this one, and Beth, and Rich Size, and then and George Kuros. I'm gonna see next week here in New York. You know, did you and your wife consciously choose Twitter as your vehicle to to use for educators? Why Twitter? So I think Twitter is one of the great places right now where teachers are connecting and collaborating, and one of the things that we preach is community building, and so. Uh, we're, we're looking to build, mo most of our, our top books, are, they're, they're not just books, they're communities that you can tap into. The book is the starting point of the conversation. And then the community is where you can find collaboration, support, inspiration, and a place to connect with other people who want to talk, who are uh, you know kindred spirits, right? And so uh, Twitter is a fantastic place where you can build those communities and have those communities. And so, um, that's that's one of the key things. Like I, I've run a TLAP chat, T-L-A-P. I'm at Burgess Dave on Twitter. And uh, T-L-A-P every Monday night, 9 o'clock Eastern. Um, I've run that chat for over five years. Wow. Every Monday night. 
for over five years. That's a place where you can come to, tap into, get inspiration, find camaraderie, find uh, find your your kinfolk, right? Your your tribe, your crew, and uh, and it's the same thing with a lot of our books. Most of, most of our top books have great thriving hashtags where you can connect and collaborate. It's all about connection. It's all about relationship building. And I tell people that all the time. Don't try to just go sell your book. Um, try to spread your message, build a community around that message, be an authentic member of that community, be a prolific sharer within that community. And then the wonderful thing about the universe is that books will sell too. There's a great spirit of reciprocity in the universe. And when you help other people and share and build communities, those communities will turn around and support you. And so that's a big part of our success is in, in, in that community building. Yeah, the chats on Twitter are incredible. And, and really, like you said, the community, the followers, uh, but with LinkedIn out there and Facebook, like why didn't, you know, cause right now I'm kind of going through this. I'm sorting through, you know, I've put my stuff on all four, but like you, you're, you're a monster on, on Twitter. What, what made you pick them over the other socials? Uh, yeah, well, I think the chats are one of the, I love the chats. I love the short format. Um, and also, uh, you know, I think another big one right now is Instagram. Instagram is another place that I think teachers yeah. can connect and collaborate. Um, certainly more visual, right? And I think uh, I'm not opposed to Facebook, but it's just a matter of I feel like I can't I can't be good everywhere, and so you kind of have to find a main one that you're going to focus on. And for us, the natural choice was Twitter, and so I, we kind of dabble in some of the other ones too. We want to be there, we want to have a presence, but if uh, the place where you can always find me is you're going to find me on Twitter. Yeah, cool, Dave. Let's uh, let's get to rapid fire. I know you got dinner plans there in, in San Diego and. Uh, uh, but I'm very thankful for the time here. Um, so these are rapid fire questions, and I don't think uh, you're going to have a problem keeping up. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Last book you read? Run Like a Pirate by Adam Welcome. If you think it's about running, you missed the point entirely. It's a, He uses running and his journey as a runner. about It's really about overcoming obstacles, setting high goals, and, 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 and getting after life. And so Run Like a Pirate by Adam Welcome, that's the last book that I read. Last movie you saw? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, the last movie I saw, I think the last movie I saw was the Black Panther. Give it the two thumbs up. Absolutely, yes. Okay, it's yeah. on the docket. Uh, if we went through your phone, what is Dave Burgess's music? What does he like to listen to? Oh, uh, so um, the, it, you'll find about ninety percent rap. And yeah. so that was a you know I, I'm gonna tell you, I, I've said this story a few times, but. Um, uh, there were three years of my life where you could not have convinced me I was going to be anything but a rapper. You could not have convinced me. I, I was doing the bare minimum at college. All I cared about was getting back in my dorm room where I had my two Techniques 1200 turntables, my mixer, my microphone, and my Roland TR-808 drum machine with the deep ringing bass. <laughs> that little knob on it you could turn to make the bass ring out longer. And I was making tapes, and we were doing parties. And, um, and so like, if you ever see me do a professional development workshop, you're going to see a, a very strong influence of my background as an MC. And I'm, I'm a person that's used to speaking in a fast and flourishy way on a microphone. And so that energy that an MC would bring um, in a party is very much akin to what I do in a, a professional development workshop. I love it. You're going to give Eminem a run for his money. Hey, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I've listened to some of the old tapes and, uh, I don't know if the bars are on his level. <laughs> Your biggest professional pet peeve? 
biggest professional pet peeve? Um, I think it's going to be people that sit, that uh, make excuses for what they can't do rather than focusing on what they can do and thinking that, um, well, you know, I can't do that in my system because my principal is going to say this or because of that and this. And um, I think that's my biggest pet peeve is, you know, you got to do what you can with what you have where you are and, um, and, and bring it every day. I dig it. Favorite part of the country to visit? Uh, I am a huge fan of Hawaii. Hawaii is one of my favorite places in the world. And so um, I, I love to go to Hawaii. We have a place there. And um, whenever we can get away, that's where you're going to find me. If I'm, if I'm on vacation, that's Say you're in your classroom and you're doing cool stuff. That's great. And that's fantastic. But now you want to amplify your impact. You want to share that with other people. And there's things that hold people back from sharing. Sometimes people feel e egotistical when they share or they feel like they're being selfish when they share or trying to put themselves on a, like a, a pedestal or something when they share. Like, oh, they all oh, look at that person. They think they're all great. Like, no, if you have something that can help other people, it's not just okay for you to share it. You have a moral imperative to share it, right? Like if you were at a crowded party and someone dropped over on the the other side of the room and was dying because they weren't breathing and you knew CPR and you didn't go over there because you didn't want to be egotistical and selfish and make yourself all stand out and stuff like that. That would be ridiculous, right? People wouldn't be upset with you if you made it known loud and clear that you know how to, that you know CPR. By the way, if you pushed your way through the crowd and maybe knocked someone down on the way over there to save that person, they wouldn't treat you like a bully. They treat you like a hero when you got there because you had exactly what they needed at that moment to save that life. And that's the way there are people, there are kids suffocating in classrooms all over this all over this nation, bored out of their minds, right? And if you have something that could help them and you don't share it with other people because of some issue you have with not wanting to stand out or seem egotistical, no, you have a moral imperative to share what you what you're doing. That's why it's so important to get for you to get connected and to not just because you can get ideas from outside of your system and bring them in your system, but you can take all the cool stuff that you're doing and you can share it out too. And it's we have, we, have, we need to share with each other and get connected. I'm sorry, that was probably too long of an answer. That was, that was, the question was, what is something that motivates you? You damn well answered that question. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to use that. That was great. Dave, we talked off, off air too. I referee hoops and you're a, you're, you were a big time coach and you're in the, in the coaching basketball. You know, what was your biggest irritant as a coach you know, of the referee? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, first of all, something I'm proud of. I never I never one time received a technical foul as a basketball coach. So I'm not someone who's making a, making a uh, like foolish scene over on the sidelines and ranting and raving and yelling. Oh, you see me ranting and raving now. Um, I, I, I was trying to model for my players that, like, uh, you know, if you lose your cool and you let the referees get in your head, then that's going to take you away from your game, right? And so I would try to model that. Never got a technical foul. I'll tell you one of the things that, that gets me, though, is when a crowd – or even sometimes a referee or the opposing coach thinks that the, the foul total should be even at the end of the game. Hey, if I teach my players how to play disciplined defense, not be reaching and slapping around and stay on the ground for pump fakes and be disciplined in their defense and, and, and we're not fouling and the other team is wild and crazy and, and, and undisciplined, the, the, it shouldn't be even at the end of the game, right? Like you hear a crowd going, look, it's eight to one in fouls. We're getting robbed. Like, you know why it's eight to one in fouls? It's because my team fouls one time and your team fouled eight times that's why it's eight to one on the scoreboard it's not because of something the referee did to your team why don't you teach your team some discipline <laughs> don't even out the fouls 
I don't know where that came from. I apologize. <laughs> Hey, it's baseball season ending and basketball season beginning. <laughs> I love it, Dave. Dave, biggest difference, uh, most people might not know. You grew up on the East Coast. You grew up in Pennsylvania, you know, but you moved out as a young kid out to out to San Diego. Biggest difference, East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> I'll say maybe the uh, the, the, the pace. Now, so I, I actually, I was born and raised in San Diego, but I would go out to oh. the East Coast to visit family. Um, okay. I have uh, part of my family in Pennsylvania, part of my family in North Carolina. And so okay. I'll go be on the East Coast to do it. But, uh, you know, maybe it, on the West Coast, we take things a little easier. And we're not so we're not so heavy on that horn when we're driving and stuff like that, right? It's like, hey man, why is everybody in such a hurry around here when I'm on the East Coast? I'm like, hey, you know, we're, we're all gonna get there. Let's just let's just like uh, let's just let's just relax a little bit. <laughs> it's hard oh, for me. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of hard for people to believe that I just said, why don't we just relax a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Short term goal, three to five months. You know what? I'm uh, after reading "Run Like a Pirate." I'm trying to I'm trying to run. Uh, I've never been a runner in my entire life. Always had injury problems, different things like that, holding me back. And I'm trying to start slow, run, walk, run, rock, run, rock, build, build up a little more running, a little less walking every time. And so, one of my short term goals is to uh, is to get, to be able to get out there and, um, and and run and eliminate that walk part, and you know, maybe do maybe do a little race for fun or something like that. That's cool. I'm gonna send you some motivation your way. The anniversary of my, my father's marathons uh, coming up uh, here in November, the New York City Marathon. I'm going to send that to you and your wife to check out. Um, Long-term personal goal, three to five years. Three to five years. Uh, so I would say um, I have some financial goals, getting, my, getting our, you know, our finances in order, and also uh, trying to find – we have a book called Balance Like a Pirate. And that's the book that I need to read over and over again because I'm a person, I'm a workaholic and I'm always, I'm, I'm always driving, I'm always working. And that's how we built this thing up, right? And uh, I was pushing, 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 pushing. And, I, and my three to five year goal is to realize that, hey, it's, it, it's okay. Um, it's okay to, to go over here and, and not do something for a while. It's okay to unplug. It's okay to uh, spend some more time on some stuff, some hobbies and different things that I want to work on and not always be constantly driving, 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 driving. So that's one of my goals, three to five years. Good for you, man. Good for you, Dave. Enjoy the ride, right? Good for you. Uh, Dave, you mentioned your Twitter handle again. Why don't you, if people can get in touch with you, how to book you as a speaker, what's the best way to get in touch with Dave Burgess? Yeah, so you can always find me on Twitter at Burgess Dave. My name flipped around to Burgess Dave. Um, and my website is DaveBurgess.com. Our business website is DaveBurgessConsulting.com. And that's where you can see all of our speakers, books, different things like that. So DaveBurgess.com, DaveBurgessConsulting.com. We have an email list, send out blogs. It's uh, free to join. And so those are the best ways to contact us. Great stuff. And uh, hopefully our audience will connect with you. Dave, I took a quote uh, from your book here. Teaching is no longer the con about the content standard. It is about transforming lives. Uh, and you said that, and, and you're doing that, Dave. You are living your message. Uh, I, I'm really, uh, in, you know, a lot of admiration for you and your family, what you're doing, and, uh, you know, continued success to you. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, you guys, are, you're doing wonderful stuff, and I love that you're building up your podcast. And it's some it's something I've been thinking about dabbling in, in myself. So at some point, um, off air, sometime we got to talk about podcasting, and I'd love to get your opinion on that. Yeah, man, Dave Burgess, everyone. Dave, uh, enjoy the upcoming basketball season. Uh, season. Uh, take it easy on those referees, and uh, you know, best of luck with the speaking. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in person one day. Sounds great. 
All right. Continue to go out and change the world. Uh, we're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. What a great show, uh, Dave Burgess. Dave, thanks so much, and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Take care, everyone.